0: What is going on guys and welcome to another episode of the Physique Archive. So today it is just going to be a solo episode with Coach Kate. Uh, I want to talk about lean gains, body recomp, and all the goals that we really have for aesthetics um, that are kind of overhyped in mainstream media right now. So I want to give you that realistic expectation with it. I want you to be sure that you're setting yourself up for success and maximizing um, the return on the investments that you guys are going to see because at the end of the day, I want to see you win. I want you to mitigate all of the mistakes that I have made along the way. And trust me, trying to focus on lean gains and body recomp and believing that all these things are still going to happen to me might've taken away from the progress that I saw overall. Um, So I want to kind of deep dive into that um, and make sure that you're setting yourself up with realistic expectations um, and understanding what this is going to do for you. So Without further ado, let's jump right in, but please, if you could take the time to leave a five-star rating, subscribe, share, uh, tag me in this. Uh, My main platform is Instagram for content, Um, but you you guys can share this anywhere. It would mean a lot to me, so uh, without further ado, let's dive into it. So the first topic that I want to cover um, is the idea of lean gains. Now, I don't want to say that they're not realistic. They absolutely are, but for a very specific population. So we need to be very realistic with the expectations that we have um, with our physique goals, optimizing those things and getting to where we want to be. And unfortunately, you can't just lean gains, body recomp forever. Now there are specific periods in time where absolutely you can. So I'm gonna first discuss those, and then we'll kind of talk about where you should be if you are an advanced athlete. So let's talk about training age first. Um, when you first get into the gym resistance training, first of all, you wanna start with um, the minimum amount of volume that you can get the maximum return on. So I talk about return on investment a lot, and I like to think as the physique develops that every single day, every training session, every you, know, day you nail your nutrition, those are minor investments for a long-term investment. Uh, like outcome. So uh, the return on that long term is is what we're seeking out when we're doing these different types of things. So for example, when you first get into the gym, if you've never trained before, and you're going to start with three-day full body, um, starting with compounds, if, if you have the movement patterns nailed down, you know, you're going to see lots of, of newbie gains, what we see, right. lots of body recomposition happening without manipulating nutrition necessarily, um, or just contra- controlling calories. And then, um, you know, the next step is, okay. So after six months to a year of that, you know, initial training age, you can start to pay attention um, to intentional nutrient timing, right? Uh, you can start to make sure that now we're dialing in, okay, a gram of protein per pound um, or lean body mass, depending on, or goal weight, right? So we talk about lean body mass, and this is one thing where like, yes, it, it sounds really great in research, uh, but application and not everybody knows exactly how much lean body mass you have, right? Um, and even when you get it measured, there's different metrics and different um, models and compartments um, in which these machines assess body composition. So it's never going to be perfect. Um, The most important variable here is consistency. So if you've been consistently training for three days um, out of the week and you're doing that for six months to a year, right? And you're continuing to see progress, you're probably going to see lots of gains um, and you are probably going to see some body recomposition. Again, just paying attention to calories. Most people start there. Um, Then you can, once you kind of quote unquote plateau um, with your physique and body composition changes, you can start to dial in nutrition. So once you start again, aiming for that gram per pound, gram per pound per of goal weight, um, or if you want to rely it on, you know, lean body mass, you can do so whichever you feel fits best with, for you without driving you absolutely batshit crazy. Um, I would suggest that one. And for me, when I work with clients, I'm typically uh, depending on, you know, when I say Goal weight. Most of the people, let's say, for example, you're a female that's you know 178 pounds and your goal weight is 140. Um, You know, I'm not going to put you at 178 grams of protein. And most people um, don't even ingest a gram per pound naturally. So if someone's starting on the lower end, let's say you start tracking your macros um, or you're tracking calories and you start paying attention to macros and you're only getting 60 grams of protein per day, well, you don't want to bump to your goal weight of 140, right? You need to slowly and incrementally walk that up, paying attention to biofeedback, uh, paying attention to digestion, bowel movements, etc. cetera, right? So uh, you need to set yourself up for success by slowly increasing that item um, because it is going to aid in a lot of body, body composition changes. And there is research suggesting um, without manipulating calorie intake, actually eating in a surplus, but directly from protein, uh, you don't add additional body fat. Um, this still needs way more research and context dependency, obviously everything in the literature is going to be context dependent to the population that is in the research. So paying attention to that in the protocols, again, if you're not super familiar with research and you don't know how to break it down, um, I would not dive into reading an abstract and just making blanket statements, which unfortunately a lot of people do, uh, because even the methods, uh, the way that they set up the design of the research, uh, the way that they're measuring lots of things, right, their standard error, and people that are working with this in research labs consistently are going to be the best to report on those things. Um, on top of they all, again, have their inability to be accurate on some level. So we need to look at not only what the research says, but how applicable is it to the population? Um, and again, if it's not like a metabolic award study, most people are free living, right? So there's going to be standards of errors. there. There's going to be uh, reasons that they reflect at the end, typically in the discussion um, on where there's error in that research, um, possible insights to error, in what you know what they should do going forward or what the, what the research line focused on that outcome should be looking like so um, just make sure that you know you're not diving into conclusions based on what dr. Oz says based on her research right and always ask yourself um, what is the benefit of this right there are lots of companies that will fund research um, but let's say that that research One thing I love about Dr. Campbell, and this is totally a side note, um, but if he works with a supplement company, regardless of whether the supplement works, he wants to publish the research. And obviously there are companies that, you know, there are um, closures, I guess, I I can't think of the word that I want to use right now, but there's like tidbits, you know, asterisks at the bottom, right? The fine print, where it's like, if this doesn't work, you can't publish it, Um, which unfortunately does happen. Um, But that's where he just wouldn't accept the, the funding from that. Um, if you couldn't publish the research. So I digress, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, and just making sure, again, context dependent is the most important thing. But again, set yourself up for success. So when you start to get into nutrient timing, um, again, or dial the nutrition, nutri- nutrient timing throughout the day, um, people get really caught up in, again, like the blanket statements that other people make. You gotta spike muscle protein synthesis and look at the refractory period and like, If you're just getting into tracking protein, you need to look at, can I hit my, my protein intake goals? Can I gradually build that up if I'm starting with super low protein? Um, And then once you get to, you know, that 140 grams for the example that we're using, okay, I've nailed this. I'm consistently doing this. You'll probably continue to see even more gains and body composition differences. Again, controlling calories, building protein up um, the other thing, um, that you'll start to notice is, okay, now I can look at my pre and post-workout. Okay. Now I can dial in what they, what they typically say, what I suggest, you know, everybody's going to be a little bit different, uh, but taking 50% of your total carbohydrate, um, and divvying that up between pre and post-workout, right? So what I'll do is if I have, for example, 200 carbs for a day, just easy math. Um, 50% of that is 100. So I'm going to go ahead and put 50 grams of carbs pre-workout or sometimes 60, just a little bit more. Sometimes I like a little bit more fuel in the tank. Um, And then, you know, the remainder of that 100 post-workout. So either 50 or 40. Um, And then you you do that and you start to notice other things, right? Your energy is better. And the more energy that you have through training, the more uh, the stimulus is going to increase. So remember that with adaptation, we adapt to a stimulus. So if you're not intentional um, with the training if you're not tracking progressive overload if you're not paying attention to the weight in the rep schemes that you're using in your biofeedback so how difficult was that right and that's why i like to use rpe scales but again it is going to be applicable to the population that's using that because if you have never trained a failure you don't know what an rpe 10 is right if you've never gotten there you don't know what an rpe eight, 8 nine is um, so it's all a learning curve and paying attention to your biofeedback but how was recovery like how did you feel in that training session right and that's why i love keeping a logbook i i made my own logbooks for myself and my clients, um, because it's, it's thorough, it's got all the information that we need and you can continue to track that throughout your training. Um, so that's what I would suggest anybody gets is a, is a logbook, and I'll link mine if you're interested in looking at them and purchasing them, um, below in this episode, but regardless, um, you should be tracking those things and paying attention to now that we've really got into nutrient partitioning, you'll start to see performance increase, right? Typically. Again, if you continue to progressively overload, you're giving your body a greater stimulus to adapt to, um, and then you will adapt by constructing new muscle tissue. Um, or maybe it's neurological adaptation if you're focused on power and you guys see me all the time. Thank you for all the support on my 300 deadlift. Uh, but yeah, I focus on strength training too. And there's there's different stimuli that your body is going to adapt to. And you don't necessarily have to strength train focusing on you know hitting one, two, three, Uh, rep maxes um, to get growth. And I think that that's a phenomenal conversation. And I'm very excited. I'm hoping to get Dr. Buckner on here to talk about that because that's where his research line really focuses. um, And he'll be able to deep dive into that more for you guys. So stay tuned for that episode. Uh, But strength and hypertrophy, the adaptive uh, pathways, yes, they're going to be correlated in some manner. If you get stronger, you're probably getting bigger um, and vice versa. But again, um, specificity is what's important with that. Um, And you need to focus on frequency exposure when focusing on strength. Again, it is more of a, I believe, uh, a more neurological adaptation um, than necessarily uh, a physical one. So um, both of them obviously go hand in hand. So I'm not saying it's only neurological, but um, it's more neurological with strength training. So frequency and exposure are gonna be important there, especially if your goal is to sustain or increase strength over time. But, um, now we get into intentional nutrition uh, with progressive overload training, and you're going to be able to continue to progress there. So, um, again, this is all going to be context dependent. Um, but for example, you know, I spent a long period of time after, you know, my competing where I was like really, really afraid, uh, to drive calories. And for me, I I saw a lot of recomp throughout my 2016, 2017 period where I just added calories, right. Kept training there, trained with a high intensity. I always, I understood training to failure and and especially when you're working in higher, higher volumes. And I used to train with a lot of volume, which I found over time, isn't necessarily the best adaptive stimulus for me personally, but I do think there are periods and and this is why you should um, over time be able to change, not necessarily the movements that you're doing. Like I don't think there's a magical program. You can, you know, obviously lay out training volume where you need to bring areas up. Um, but overall, there's no such thing as like a magical training program. I do think, however, that use, utilizing different rep ranges is going to give you different adaptive stimuli over time, um, which means I'll have periods where I use the exact same training pro- block, but now I'm working at high intensity. And when I say high intensity, uh, I'm not just speaking of effort, I'm actually speaking of load. So the weight that I'm using um, relative to my one RM. So. I'll work in lower rep ranges um, like a like a four by three or a five by five or, you know, top sets drop down sets things like that uh, in lower rep ranges and then getting volume work in after. Um, And then I'll go ahead and take the same block. So I'm using the same movement patterns, but now we're doing them. with much higher uh, rep ranges. So I'm working in that 10 to 15. Um, I might you know, hit leg press for 30, right? And that's gonna give me a greater stimuli. You have to remember that there are two different types of muscle fibers, type one and type two, um, one being the anaerobic and one being the aerobic fibers. So one's gonna be for strength and power output. The other one's going to be more oxidative in energy systems, um, in, in endurance training. So um, stimulating both of them throughout your training cycles, um, I think is important. And you can obviously combine those, right? So sometimes I'll do training blocks where I'm doing my, my higher intensity training. Uh, but then the accessory work is like volume, 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 um, you know, and, it, and I keep it simple to this point because I used to do like, I used to be programmed to do like 10, 12, 14 exercises in one training session. And At that point, you're not getting an adequate rest. You're probably not lifting that heavy um, and you're probably not recovering that well. And a lot of it's quote unquote junk volume. So now I keep training to a max, um, eight, would be my highest level um, of different exercises. But most of the time I find I can get enough from five or six. Um, three you know heavy, heavy movements that I'm really focused on, you know keeping the intensity and the quality of the movement high. Um, and the quality should be high regardless, no matter what you're doing. But as far as intensity, I'll pick like three. and then three accessory exercises um, where I can really just get in that pump or get in that you know muscular fatigue and endurance work um, if I'm doing it that way. And then I'm dusted, like giving your all to five or six exercises, you should be, you should be feeling pretty good. Um, but overall, again, coming uh, into, you know, progressions is this is obviously I'm talking about it in like context to where I am now, but um, it, it started off literally, I would just train and I would hit my macros right throughout the day. And so that's kind of where my journey started and I started seeing progress. Um, and then I would say, okay, now I'm going to focus on like carbs around pre and post just kind of let everything else fall. Right. Um, And I started to see more progress there. And then I got really, really intentional with my training, really intentional. I'm talking like I track every little thing, every little variable. I highlight that thing. I've got it pre-planned most of the time with obviously open for, you know, improvements for load or rep schemes, because I'm always trying to progress there and this is where I get to this year so um, this has been stages throughout kind of my training age as it continues to progress because I do want to continue to you know see adaptation in in progress and I'm super happy with the density that I've put on Um, but there comes a point where you you do these things and now I'm at a point where I realize the most muscle growth that I saw was when I really leaned into my off season and eating in a calorie surplus and so again lean gains body recomp for newbies absolutely possible I would suggest starting there minimum amount of volume that you can get the maximum return on investment that is how you should start so if you're just getting into this like start there then look at protein right and then you know start to pay attention to nutrient timing then make sure you're progressively overloading and, and seeing all those different things um and then you'll continue to learn and evolve and progress now especially with women one of the biggest things that i see um is that they're afraid to eat in a calorie surplus they're afraid of undoing all of their hard work uh, because we get really really focused on a scale number and i really want to drive um the the emotional tie to the scale out of the conversation it's always going to be there unfortunately i think i'll that quote unquote diet culture, culture has a lot to do with this. Um, but I, I just wanna use myself cause I love to pick on myself. So I, um, when I first got into my reverse of 2018, um, I took the entire season. So I didn't get into a solid consistent calorie surplus until 2019. I was trying to kind of gain gain, lean gains as you will. Um, and I think that that diminished the amount of progress that I could have seen and I did end up competing that year just cause I stayed really lean. So um, again, like it, it worked out, I guess for my contest uh, season, but at the same time, I could have been a lot further along in my bodybuilding journey. Had I just gotten uncomfortable with weight gain and, and that sucks. And now again, I'll say that. And somebody will be like, so you're telling people that eight all this, like, no context dependent. So you need to have a coach that's monitoring your, your rate of weight gain. And I've done posts on, you know, rates of muscle growth and where you're at, but at the same time you have people saying, oh, you can't gain more than 10 pounds in your off season. Well, for me, okay. I'll use myself as an example. Um, I was under hundred pounds, um, in my first com- competitive season. So only getting to 103 pounds, is not really going to do anything for me, right? Especially depending on blood work and where your hormones are at, right? We need everything to be in a good place physiologically. And For someone that is that small, I find that if they can generate a better stimulus, a better overload, a better adaptive uh, stimuli throughout their improvement seasons uh, by being 15 pounds over stage weight or whatever it is that they, their performance, there is a, there is a set point at which your performance is higher. And it's probably better. It's probably higher than where you're aesthetically comfortable. And that's where I've had to get to. And that's where I saw the most progress. So outside, again, uh, you know, hitting these things—protein, consistent training, progressive overload—the uh, most anabolic stimulus outside of all of those things is going to be a calorie surplus. And again, this does not mean a massive calorie surplus. It could be slight, um, but some type of calorie surplus um, does show anabolic response. That is that is shown and supported in the literature. So uh, unfortunately, this might mean that you get to weigh in higher than you were comfortable. Um, and that was me 2019 I did a lot of mindset work and I can't wait for that podcast to come out with Jordan Syed. but outside of that I just leaned into it my performance was better my, my, the progressive overload that I was utilizing was better. And I put on like 10 pounds of lean body mass, according to my body comp scans at the university of South Florida under Dr. Bill Campbell. So he is, um, very qualified to be doing calipers. We use the same thing, same time of day. Um, you know, same, same context every single time. And again, if you're getting your body comp done, you need to be doing it at the same time of day in the same state. So fasted first thing, typically in the morning, and after you go to the bathroom, again, under the same person that is doing the guidance and utilizing the same machinery, if you're using things like uh, an in-body, you definitely want to make sure you haven't had water or anything like that, that will throw off the composition uh, at which you are measured um, and doing it at the same time of day in the same context. That is how you're going to be able to compare them over time. So I was able to do that. Um, and, and that was exciting for me. Was I comfortable? Absolutely not. Was I added at, at a point where I was like, yes, you are sexy in this. skin. No, but I had bigger goals and I was like, you know, you kind of start to embrace it, especially coming off of being so lean. I don't think I'll ever get that lean again. If you guys have seen those pictures, I mean, I had striated glutes. It it was like, Ooh. And I remember just being a a dead human all the time, like not fun. So I don't think I'll ever have to get that lean again, especially with where bikini is going and and where I fit in it. I'm very happy um, that I learned a lot from that experience, but we also need to we need to make sure that we're, we're promoting the sport the way that it needs to be and being completely shredded um, is not conducive to winning. And I think that we've done a lot better since since I was there in 2016. Um, but again, like I know a lot of people also get really caught up in just the conditioning aspect. And that's a whole nother rant for another time. But I digress. Um, The other time uh, where we can see body composition changes for quote unquote lean gains um, is after you've taken significant amounts of time off. So if you've done a detraining period, um, this is where you'll see body composition changes um, over time without necessarily having to dial in all the other variables or get into a calorie surplus. Um, So again, if you've been injured and you had to take months off of training, and I'm talking about months, like I'm not talking, you didn't train for a week. I'm talking um, you are out of the gym for eight to 12 weeks um, for whatever purpose and reason, you know, surgery again, accidents or whatever it might be, mental health, all these things that need you to kind of chill out um, and take you out of that that stimulus, yes, you can just continue to, you know, keep calories in check and and get back into training and you will see body recomp happen. So again, um, noticeable changes can happen at that point. Uh, but as your training age and consistency and training, uh, nutrient timing, all those things dial in, you do need a calorie surplus. Um, and I see the most benefit on those things. And I've done that now, um, multiple times and I'm going through my prep this year at the heaviest, um, I've been when dieting, um, especially this close to a tentative show deadline. So of course, mentally, like I'm freaking out, but at the same time, I'm super excited because once my conditioning comes all the way in, I, 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 this is just why I hate scales, um, for multiple reasons. And it's because like listening to the tone of my voice, I can tell that I also get emotionally, like emotionally invested in that because in a contest rep, yeah, you want to see it go down. But at the same time, I think with, with previous preps, I've been really aggressive um, with lower calories and a lot more cardio than I've done. And at some point you do lose lean body mass, right? Um, It is catabolic to be in a deficit. So um, that's just what happens. Um, And I do think that I'm retaining a lot of the muscle and the improvements that I've made once again, by taking time off, getting into a calorie surplus and really focusing on that training. Um, It should be the most difficult part of your day. If you are If you are in a calorie surplus, I'm sorry, it should be the most difficult part of your day. um, If growing is what you want to do and a calorie surplus in your off season. So you should be giving your absolute best. Um, Again, context dependent. This does not mean train to failure every single time you train and fucking run yourself into the ground. Like recovery is something that I think is under acknowledged and incredibly important for progress. So, um, that's, you know, one thing that, that you are going to want to pay attention to, but if you choose to stay lean gains, um, I'm just going to say that, especially if you're someone again, who has not fit any of the, the prior contexts that I've given as far as newbie or taking time off and detraining, I think that you're limiting. I know that you're limiting the amount of growth that you can see. Um, and when I say you can see, I mean, in the following dieting phase. Um, so again, when you're at a, at a surplus and you have enough body fat to where your joints are cushioned your hormones are restored you feel good in your skin most of the time outside of like maybe putting on a little bit more weight than you wanted um but again this is one of the things i touched on earlier is there's a weight at which your performance is going to skyrocket and it may not be the weight at which you're comfortable walking around and that is something that i've kind of had to lean into especially in this last off season right so typically I'll just give you a rundown of like my previous quote unquote stage weights and this is why I hate them so much um, when people just live and die by them. So my first stage weight, 94. My following stage weight, 104. And then got up to um, 108 tentatively last year. I think the leanest that I got um, was 112. And that's probably where I look the best. I'd say that's probably the ideal stage weight that I should have been. Again, recovery was really important for me at that point. Um, so 112.4, I think was was a package I was super happy with. Um, and then this year I am dieting um, and I'm not even under 120 yet. I'll just say that. However, my my conditioning at this point, relative to where I started at the same, so if I compare weights from prep last year uh to where I'm at this year, my weight at like 125 versus where I'm at right now at 126, um, I'm much leaner than I was at that weight. So if I were to just obsess over that weight, um I would be like, I'm way behind. Where you don't pay attention to the fact that when you're really dialed and you take the time off, you drive training. I'm talking about fucking really like tracking and holding yourself accountable to that shit. Like people don't take it seriously. They go through, and I see it all the time. They just go through the motions, they're doing their training, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh yeah, but I hit my macros today and I feel fluffy. And then you give all your fucking time to cardio. Like that's not an off season. You're not making any progress there. And I'm sorry, but you're self sabotaging your goals by doing that. So, Obviously, I just got a little hype there because I see it all the time. Um, and it's it's superfluous to the goals that you're doing. Like cardio is a tool for fat loss. Yes, you should be doing cardiovascular work in your off season, walking and making sure that you're you know keeping your, car- your cardiovascular system healthy. But at the same time, if you really want to fucking grow and make changes to your physique, you have to be dialed in and get uncomfortable, right? You need to be at a point where, again, the weight difference from where you can perform versus where you feel aesthetically great at are probably going to be different. And if you focus on that and you're like, oh, well, I train and I'm not seeing anything. Like, are you giving your best to training? Are you really tracking that shit? Are you really giving your absolute best looking at last week and saying, I can't do less than that? Can you do that? Can you commit to that? Yes or no? Obviously recovery is going to be better when you have the calories there. Your performance should be better. Um, And and one of the best things that I've ever done is invest in someone who really only did training, only did training. So I'm not talking about a coach who will write a program like me. Um, And yes, I'm knowledgeable around training and all those things. But at the same time, I don't sit here and really nitpick all of those different things for, for my clients. I don't do that. I do watch like form checks and stuff, but I'm not giving them cues. I'm not like, you know, I want a video of all your compounds and this is the progression that you're going to hit this week and breaking it down and dialing them in. However, I have hired someone that did that for me. And that was one of the best things I think that has aided to my, progress this year so last year i invested in a coach for a year that tracked my training gave me specific programs specific percentages uh, would form check me ask for videos every single week after every training session with every compound movement i mean really had me dialed in and once i nailed the things that i needed as far as cueing as far as movement patterns as far as mobility work as far as you know all of those different things that he would give me feedback on i have no doubt that that is what has contributed to the growth that i'm seeing now so it's not just training Training with intention, holding yourself accountable and investing in your own progress. And if you guys are curious who that was, it was Ryan Conley. Amazing, um, really hands on. And I learned a lot from him that I've been able to kind of translate over into my own clients. But again, training specificity um, is not my niche. Um, that is not exactly what I do. I'm more focused on body composition, physique enhancement, um, building training programs that digest the volume. And obviously I will look over clients and form check them with compounds, but I, it's not like you have these people like Ryan Doris, Ryan Conley, who will literally sit down and manipulate an entire program um, and, and look over you like you're, you're being watched like a hawk you know, and they can pinpoint things that you don't even notice, right? Um, because that is their expertise. That's what they spend their time on. So um, I would highly suggest that everybody do that for a period of time. And you'll be amazed at what you learn about the things you're doing wrong with your training. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, um, you have to remember, so now we're, we're in a point where, you know, you've you've overshot your ideal body composition, um, and, and but you've made progress, right? So as your training age, again, is, is older, um, as you've dialed all of these things in, the best thing that you can do is use your weapons and that's committing to a phase, right? If you can commit to a growth phase for a period of time, you're gonna have a lot of tools for a fat loss phase, right? And you're going to be able to commit to one phase or the other, and you need to be doing that, right? You need to commit to one phase and you need to use the weapon that is best for that, right? Obviously, when you're losing fat, uh, you want to be in a hypo caloric state, right? Hypocaloric conditions, calorie restriction, right? You're in a deficit as Jordan Sight would say, calorie deficit, right? That is it. You're in a deficit. Now we are focusing on fat loss. You still need to strength, train to hold your muscle, right? Move it or lose it. I very much believe in that. And the research shows that, right? You still need to be getting adequate protein, but instead of focusing on getting stronger or maybe hitting PRs, right, we're focusing on maintaining performance while l- mitigating Uh, adaptations and losing body fat, right? That is a fat loss phase. Then when you come out of that, you can commit to a growth phase. Again, being hypercaloric, which is an anabolic condition, um, outside of having everything Dialed in, like you need to be dialed in. If you really want this, and now I'm, I'm obviously speaking to bodybuilders here, so I don't want a lifestyle person who's really just trying to, you know, feel good in their skin and look like this. Um, especially again, if you're more lifestyle, you're probably on the newer end um, to all of these different variables. So showing up, being consistent in your training and your frequency there, um, and and then starting to pay attention to the other variables that I mentioned earlier is going to be context dependent for you. And I highly suggest doing that. You're going to see great progress, and you can continue to evolve um, with patience and consistency and execution. And all of those variables are on you to control, by the way. So um, outside of that, you need to use your weapons in context if you really want to progress. Um, And that means committing to one phase or the other. Again, that does not mean in a a surplus, you eat like an asshole, you put on a bunch of superfluous amounts of body fat, um, and you just say I'm, I'm bulking. Like, I don't believe in bulking. Like, no, especially for beginning get is Like, come on. Um, I'm not saying put on 30 pounds. What I'm saying is you need to be in a body that can perform and recover and has all of the conditions met. Um, again, as your training age increases and this might not mean visible changes that you can assess over time like fat loss. And I think that there's a lot of people that have expectations that um, improvement season is gonna look a lot like fat loss and it's not. You're not gonna see new lines every week. You're not gonna see um, physique changes in, in a month. You're not necessarily gonna see all those things. Um, it is patience. patience patience um, and a fuck ton of effort and then some more patience, right? You need to chill out. You need to show up. You need to execute. You need to check all the boxes. You need to know that you gave your best, that you're beating your logbook, you're tracking your training, and then you need to get quality sleep and recover and then do it again and stay consistent in that um, regardless of how you feel, right? When you really want something, showing up for it, keep keeping the integrity high and following through on the promises that you make to yourself is going to be the number one thing that drives the changes that you see, right? It's not about anybody else. Um, it's not about how you feel that day. Like everyone's like, well, I don't feel good. Now, this is not me saying that biofeedback is not important. It absolutely is and your coach should be assessing those things. So again, like let's not take a sentence and run with it. Um, But at the same time, your mind is going to quit before your body does 99.9% of the time. And this is what I mean by people who've never trained to failure don't know what that feels like, because it's true. Um, You know, unless you've like failed on a deadlift, which I did. You know, multiple times, you know, or failed on a squat or failed on, you know, leg press on that like 30th rep, right? Uh, Those knee extensions, like I used to do, I mean, I still do, I love them, Um, you know, high high volume sets. Um, And until you've kind of reached that where you literally are struggling to contract the full range of motion and you're, you're, you can't, you have to bail on something, right? Then you understand what failure feels like. And failing is okay. I think uh, the word failure, people are like, oh my God, right? Um, You can't always train a failure again. Please, like, let me emphasize that right now. Um, But getting there at some point um, is important throughout your journey. Getting there and being comfortable with failing is important because it shows you where you need to grow. It shows you what obstacle you need to overcome. I don't care if it's three months, six months, a year. You need to overcome that obstacle. You need to overcome that training stimulus. So... The last tidbit that I'm going to throw in here, um, where you can see lean gains and recomp is obviously with enhanced athletes. Um, I'm not going to disregard that there are plenty of people in the bodybuilding realm in all divisions that utilize performance enhancing drugs. So, and I've talked about this. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do a deep dive into it. These people still work their asses off, and it is a personal choice. The biggest thing that I can say with anybody that is considering that is you need to have all the previous boxes that I just discussed checked um, if not steroids, anabolics, um, they're going to enhance things. Sure. But again, like, are you getting the full return on that investment and be aware of, of the consequences of that decision, whatever that might be for you. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that because, you know, I just feel like I need to touch on it slightly. Um, but again, it's all a personal choice and I'm not hating on anybody that goes that way. I just, um, I think that if you haven't had the previous conversation completely dialed in and checked off, um, then you're not ready for that. And you don't need it yet. Like you don't need it. You have more to give. And I I want people to know that Um, while they are popularized, they are not always needed. Um, And my goal is to do this and turn pro this year um, without having to go that route. And, And I hope that that gives somebody peace of mind especially with the growth that I've seen. I'm very happy. Um, Even if, you know, they tell me to put on more muscle, I personally don't know that I want to get much denser um, in my physique. Obviously, my biggest goals are some some glutes and some juicy hammies. Right. I love my lower body growth. It makes me really excited. Um, the upper body I'm, I'm pretty happy with overall. I've got shoulders and lats that I didn't have before. Um, and I feel good with that shape. So again, outside of the sport and, and what you feel you have to fit into, unless you're an Olympian and, and you like that, right. You, you don't mind fitting the conditions at which the sport is putting on you. Um, make sure that you're training, to be happy in your body because you have to live in it right the judges might love you looking a one way but you have to live in that body 365 days a year I mean obviously you could change it I guess but regardless just make sure you're doing it for you always right this sport um, doesn't make you famous it doesn't make you rich doesn't you know do anything um, outside like financially um, for you to do that however um, I am incredibly passionate about it I've done it the wrong way Um, There are a lot of people that will demonize it. And I think it's just irresponsible approaches. um, Because I find that every single time I invest in a prep, I learn so much. And that's my goal every single time. Learn more about myself, learn more about my body and see my hard work pay off, right? That is enough. That is a huge win for me every single time. and I love sharing that with you guys. And I hope that this was helpful. I hope that it brings you some peace of mind and, and gives you some ideas onto where you can improve and, and what your next step is with your body composition goals um, and the route that you want to go. So uh, I look forward to the next episode. Uh, please review, like, share, subscribe. Do all the things that help the podcast grow. Um, please message me on Instagram if you guys have specific questions or things that you want me to talk about on here. Specific guests that you would love to see. Um, I always love the feedback from you guys. It means a lot. So have a phenomenal, um, rest of your weekend. It is February 13th. Tomorrow is Valentine's day. I am my own Valentine. I have got the house to myself this weekend. Um, and plenty of cardio to keep me busy. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, but takeaway message here, commit, 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 get uncomfortable, focus on growth, hold yourself accountable and continue to kick some butt because we're leveling up over here and that is for damn sure. So I'll catch you guys next time.